0: Hey, everyone. Happy Tuesday. Welcome to the podcast. My name is Andrew, and we are going to jump right in. Uh, today, uh, my reflections built around the story of the prodigal son, and so if you're unfamiliar with that story, I encourage you to uh, take a moment, open up your browser, type in just prodigal son story. This is a story Jesus told, uh, really, of two sons, uh, one who ran off Squandered uh, his inheritance uh, before his father had even died uh, on just a reckless lifestyle, comes home, the father welcomes him in with open arms. So it's the story of redemption and then all the while there's an older, an, another part to the story where the older son is. Uh, feels like you've never thrown me a party dad and i was always faithful to you and then there's this famous line everything i ever had is yours the father said and jesus in this story tells the story because he's giving us a, a window into the sort of uh, love that god has for us uh, but there's this line in the story of the prodigal son that's really easy to miss and it comes in the transition uh, of the story uh, but it also marks the transition of the son. So not longer, not too long after the younger son demands the right to sort of live as he pleases, uh, after he leaves with his father's money and gets as far away as possible, and after he loses everything and is forced to hire himself out in the fields, the story goes uh, that the prodigal son, quote, came to himself after he decides to turn back to the father. So most often, uh, it's most often translated that the son came to his senses, sort of as we might describe somebody who is about to make a bad decision or make some uh, impulsive act and then decides to turn around. But the phrase in Greek literally describes the prodigal son as coming to himself. And I think it points to something more than just good decision-making. So the Greek expression can be applied to somebody who comes out of a I'd like a deep swoon or someone who has lost consciousness and comes back to themselves again. The expression can also be applied to one who is recovering from insanity, like someone who has been lost somewhere within their own body or their own mind only to come back to themselves once again. So both these metaf- with both of these metaphors, the prodigal son is the one who wakes up to health or wakes up to life again unconscious, you could even say maybe to his true condition. The context again here is he's standing in a foreign field, hungry and alone, and the prodigal son comes to something more than just a good decision, waking up to an identity that he knew in part, right? He knows the, the house that he came from, but he never fully realized. He's remembering life in his father's house again, but almost like for the first time. Human identity seems a succession of inquiry and wakefulness. So we, um, like who we are is discovered in layers of life and realization uh, and questioning and unconsciousness. I pulled up an old note the other day um, from a- Annie uh, Dillard, who's an essayist, and she articulates the progression of awareness from the rousing of self as something strangely recognizable. She says, quote, like people brought back from cardiac arrest or from drowning, there's a familiarity in the midst of our awakenings. Like we wake to mystery, but somehow we wake to something known. So in the story, like trapped in sin that controls the mind and keeps us in darkness, our condition is similar to the prodigal son in this foreign land. We're like those who've lost consciousness or we got caught up in the madness of our own condition until we are awakened to life with the Father. Uh, the Apostle Paul says this, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which that you used to live, When you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient so the idea of coming to ourselves i think it's about waking to our human condition claiming in our very identities our need for resurrection or you could say our need for home another use of the expression comes out of the old uh, world like of, uh, you know, fables of enchantment. So with this metaphor coming to ourselves is sort of like coming out of a magician's spell and assuming once again, our true forms. Um, I grew up, uh, reading the Chronicles of Narnia book or more appropriately, my dad would read me these books. This is the Lion, the witch and the wardrobe, the last battle. And there's this one book, the silver chair, um, where the children are trapped in this magical land, Narnia. Trapped. They're, sorry, they're trapped beneath Narnia, in the land called Underworld, and they're persuaded to believe <clears throat> there's no such thing as Narnia. They've seen Narnia, but they're persuaded to believe there's actually no such thing. The Queen of the Underworld, who's really a witch, has thrown this green powder into the fire that produces this sweet and drowsy smell, and this enchanting haze. Their identity as Narnians becomes hazy. And the world they thought they knew begins to disappear. And it's at this moment of despair that one of the characters makes this brave move. With his uh, bare foot, he stomps on the fire, sobering the sweet and heavy air with the smell of burning, uh, it's called Marsh Wiggle. And it, uh, this, the character's called Puddleglum. He says, one word, ma'am, he says, coming back from the fire, limping because of the pain. Suppose we have only dreamed or made up all those things. Suppose this black pit of a kingdom of yours is the only world. Well, it strikes me as a pretty poor one. We're just babies making up a game, if you're right. But four babies playing a game can make a play world which licks your real world hollow. I'm on Aslan's side. Aslan is the, the, the god character, the father character, the lion. Even if there isn't any Aslan to lead it, I'm going to live as much like a Narnian as I can, even if there isn't any Narnia. So thanking you kindly for our supper, we're leaving your court at once and setting out in the dark to spend our lives looking for overland or looking for Narnia. Coming, so, <laughs> coming out of their enchantment, the prisoners of underland remembered that they were children of another kingdom. Coming to themselves they begin to realize who they were all along. And so I just have a few questions. Like, What if waking to our identities as children of the Father is like uncovering the people God has created us to be from the start? What if coming to ourselves is like remembering that we're citizens of another kingdom, a kingdom we vaguely recall and yet long to return to? I think the prodigal son's awakening from the enchantment of his own sin and a foreign world came as the startling recognition of two um, two facts. First, that there was plenty in his father's house. And second, that he himself was starving. And so as a power in waking to these two vital spiritual truths today, I think we reclaim the very identities given to us in the beginning. And when we do this, we come to ourselves because we're setting out for home again. We come to ourselves because we're going to the Father. My prayer for you today is that uh, if there are propensities in your heart, in your mind, in your life right now to, uh, to numb uh, if you're following with that silver chair reference, like if it, to uh, just get caught up in the sort of drowsy haze and to not uh, awaken, not only to our true condition, but to awaken to the God who sets us free and to home that is ours, um, to where our allegiances lie. I just pray if there's anything that is dulling your senses to the greater and more beautiful reality of who you are and whose you are, I just pray that that clears today and that you would find rest. Peace be with you.